0: What's up, mortals? This is Awesome Myths and Monsters, here to learn you a thing or two. In this episode, I'll be telling a story from Finnish folklore about a farmer and the really weird dating advice that he gives to his three sons. So, of course, this one starts out with a farmer. One day he decides that his three sons are finally men and should be married. They're not triplets, they're different ages. Why they all hit the right age at the same time despite being different ages is beyond me. Also, I'm not sure what constitutes adulthood back then. Like, what age were people getting married at? Fourteen? How's that age-old saying that everybody knows goes? If you're old enough to beat your meat, you're old enough to take the leap? Whatever. They were man-aged, so the father tells them that as men, it's about time they all go find a bride. The oldest son asks where they should go. You know, as if anywhere but the farm with all his male family living on it wasn't the answer. The father tells them that he planned for his sons being complete idiots. They should go out into the forest and chop down a tree. Whichever direction the fallen tree points, they should venture that way and will eventually find a bride. So the three sons are like, yeah, that makes sense. Dating is hard. And they go into the forest to chop down some trees. The oldest son chops down his first and it falls pointing north. And he thinks, well, that's great because to the north is a farm with a very pretty girl with no gag reflex." And if he already had that information, then it seems like maybe he shouldn't have had to ask his dad where to go to find a wife. The second son cuts his tree down, and it points south. And he's like, oh, this is great, since a girl that he often danced with lived in a farm to the south. Again, seems like he even had, like, a prior relationship with this girl. And maybe he didn't need a tree chopping to tell him to go after the girl that's already, like, rubbed herself all over him. Now it's the youngest son's turn And the youngest son's name is Vako, and he's the only one who gets a name because he's the main character. He cuts his tree down, and it points straight into the forest, which, let's say, is to the east. the older brothers laugh at Vako, and mock him. And I'm quoting this from the book, Vako will have to go courting one of the wolf girls, or one of the foxes. Which implies to me that they have wolf girls running around the forest. I don't know if that means just, like, female wolves, or half-girl, half-wolves, girls raised by wolves... Is it a colony of werewolf Amazons? They don't specify fox girls. Nope, they're just cool if he brings home a boy or girl fox, so they didn't spec- like specify sex for the foxes. Vaco didn't really give a shit. He knows that if he goes far enough in that direction, that he's gotten to run into someone willing to marry him eventually. The two brothers go off to the two farmers and ask their permission to plow their daughters, and Vaco wanders off into the woods. He starts off with confidence, but eventually it gets to him that there are no humans anywhere to be found in the middle of the forest. Then he finds a little hut, and he's thinking, oh, perfect. Maybe there's someone in there I can marry, because lonely hermits living in the middle of the woods by themselves, away from all sorts of civilization, are well-adjusted and make super great brides. Vaco wanders into the hut and finds it empty except for a little mouse on the table, combing her whiskers, which he doesn't count. Vaco grumbles, oh great, there's nobody here. And the little mouse says to him, wait Vaco, I'm here. And Vaco responds, but you don't count, you're just a fucking mouse. At no point does it even faze him that not only can this mouse talk, but it also knows his name. He's just like, nah, I can't marry it, so I don't care about it in the slightest. Really fucking weird series of events be damned. Of course I count, the little mouse tells him. She then proceeds to ask him why he came wandering into the forest. Veko explains the whole story of his father's weird mating rituals and how his two brothers have found girls easy enough, but Veko came looking for a bride and hasn't been able to find any people. The math suggests that Veko take her as a sweetheart. Veko protests because it's a crazy idea. And she's like, seriously, you could do way worse than me. Then she sings him a pretty little song, which somehow immediately convinces him that bestiality is okay. The mouse is super excited and tells him that she will always be true to him and will wait for his return no matter how long it takes. When Vaco gets home, his two brothers are talking about their new sweethearts. And because they're mature adults who respect women and understand the deeper connection that goes into marriage, they brag about how wonderful the girls' personalities are. Just kidding. They exclusively talk about their bodies. And when Vaco stays quiet, his brothers tease him about having to find a girl, a wife with pointy ears and sharp teeth. Vako tells him he found a dainty little wife wrapped in velvet, and they laugh at him, asking what kind of princess wrapped in velvet he found in the middle of the woods. Vako tells them that she also sings lovely songs to him, and he's very happy. The brothers are none too pleased to hear their brother is happy, because they're both giant assholes. The father is like, okay, okay, we already talked about their bodies, now on to other sexist ways that we measure a woman's worth. I need all of them to bake me some bread. The two older brothers are very confident that their future brides will be able to to bake bread, but Vako is clearly hesitant. They taunt him some more, asking if the princess will be able to bake him bread, and Vako only responds that he will have to ask her. So Vako wanders back into the forest without any optimism. He has no reason to believe that this tiny mouse will be able to bake some bread. He had no reason to believe that she would be able to talk either, but whatever. When Vako gets to the little hut, the mouse leaps up and starts dancing around in excitement. She sees that something is bothering Vako and asks him what's wrong. He explains that my father requested each of our sweethearts bake him a loaf of bread, and when I return without one, my brothers will laugh at me. The mouse tells Vako not to worry, for she can bake bread. She rings a tiny silver bell, and a swarm of hundreds of other mice come running into the hut. The little mouse straightens up and tells them, each of you go and find me a grain of the finest wheat. Each mouse returns with a grain of the finest wheat, and after that, it was no problem at all, for the little mouse to, break, to bake bread, apparently. Vaco takes his loaf of wheat and bread home to present to his father. The oldest brother goes first and gives the father a loaf of rye bread. Father is like, oh, this is good, hard-working bread for good, hardworking people like us. The second brother gives him barley bread, which apparently holds the same meaning. Then Vaco presents his white bread, which, is, which impresses everyone else. Father's like, holy shit, your sweetheart must be a person of great wealth. And the brothers joke, oh, didn't Vaco tell you that he met a princess? Tell us how she got the flower, Vaco. And he told them the truth, that his sweetheart rang a little bell, and all her servants flooded in to bring her the, the ingredients. And of course, he left out the fact that she was a fucking mouse, and the two older brothers were just super jealous. The father tells them to shut up, and then he's like, okay, well, each girl made the bread she knew how to make, and I'm sure each one will make a good bride in her own way, even though Vaco's is clearly the best. Now, I want to give them another test. Have each of them give me a sample of their weaving. And the brothers are excited because they already know their sweethearts can weave, and Vako is all mopey again. He asks, Who ever heard of a mouse that can weave? As if he didn't meet a mouse that can talk and bake. So he goes back to the hut, and the little mouse gets up and dances she is so excited again. She asks, Vaco's, she asks if Vako's father has any other tasks for her to complete. Vako tells her about the weaving, but doesn't believe that she will be able to do it. The mouse is like, Of course I can. She rings her little bell, and all her mouse servants scurry into the room. She tells them to find her a fiber of the finest flax there is. One by one, the mice return, each with a fine fiber of flax. Then the weaving process, of which I understand absolutely nothing, happens, and the end result is a piece of fine linen. The fabric is so sheer that the mouse can fold it up into an empty nutshell and give it to Vaco to take home with him. The brothers all bring their father the sample of weaving from their sweethearts. The oldest brother presents a square of coarse cotton, and the father wasn't very impressed. The second one gives him a square of cotton and linen mixed, and he's like, this is okay, I guess. Then Vako hands him the nutshell, and he unfolds the finest piece of linen that he has ever seen. Everyone asks how someone could possibly get such fine fabric, and Vako tells them about how his sweetheart rang a bell, and all her servants came and went to gather her materials again. The father is shocked. He says, I've never known such a weaver. The other girls will be alright, I guess, if you have really low standards, but Vaco's sweetheart might be an actual princess. This is amazing, and he's my favorite now. Now, the father believes that they have all passed these tests, and is ready to meet each girl. He invites them all over the next day. Vaco wanders back into the forest, knowing that his brothers will laugh at him for bringing home a mouse. He decides that he doesn't care, because the mouse has been incredibly kind to him. When Vaco told the little mouse that his father wanted to meet her, she was ecstatic. She summoned her carriage, was an empty nutshell pulled by five mice, another two mice acting as the coachman and footman. The little mouse got in her carriage and off they went with Vico walking alongside. Vico promised her that his father was a kind and gentle man who would be happy to meet her. On the journey home, they came to a river and crossed it with a footbridge. While at the middle of the bridge, they crossed paths with a man who was walking in the opposite direction. Oh, wow, the man shouted as he looked at the little coach and the mice. What's that? He stooped down and looked, and then, because this man was apparently a complete fucking sociopath, he kicks all the mice into the river. And Vaco is pissed and starts screaming at the man, who promptly runs away. Then Vaco is crying on the bridge, lamenting the loss of his kind little mouse. Suddenly, a carriage pulled by five horses rolls out of the w- river and onto the far bank. A coachman dressed in gold lace is driving it, and a footman is seated in the back. And riding the coach is the most beautiful, beautiful girl that Vaco has ever seen. She beckoned Vaco over to her, and while everyone else could put two and two together, Vaco has no fucking clue who he's looking at. Princess asks him, won't you come join me? And Vaco's like, who me? Why? Why would you want that? And the princess apparently finds his stupidity cute instead of exhausting, because she says, You weren't ashamed to have me as a sweetheart when I was a mouse, and now that I'm a princess again, you wouldn't desert me, right? Like, unless you're a giant weirdo, because, you know, I'm a super hot princess now and not a fucking mouse and it takes Vako a couple more minutes to put it all together. Eventually, the gears start spinning, and he realizes that's the same mouse as before. The princess explains how she was under a curse, and the only way to break it was to have a human take her as a sweetheart, and then to have another human drown her. Which, out of all of the curses, this one requires the most dumbly specific series of damaged people to come by. She really needed to meet some psycho who was into drowning animals after a loser fell in love with her as the mouse. It's like Beauty and the Beast's curse, but like, ...on steroids. Anyway, the princess tells Vako... ...come on, you pretty much won the lottery... ...let's go home and meet your family... ...show them how hot I am... ...and then get married and go back to my kingdom. When Vako and the princess pull up to the farm... ...the father, brothers, and their sweethearts... ...all bow their heads wondering what such grand folk... ...could be uh, wandering into their humble farm. Vako gets down and introduces his princess to his father. The father is like, holy shit, Vako... ...how did you meet a princess... And Vico tells him, well, I cut down a tree and it pointed me into the forest where I found her. And the father is totally vindicated that his insane idea worked out. The two other brothers are all upset. They complain, if only our trees had landed pointing towards the forest, then maybe we could have ended up with a princess instead of these basic country wenches, at least one of those werewolf Amazons. And they say all this right in front of their sweethearts because, again, they're giant assholes. And then Vico and the princess go back to her kingdom to live happily ever after. The moral of the story has something to do with kindness or patience. Like, Vaco was kind to the mouse, so he got a princess in the end. But he wasn't particularly kind to her. He just bitched and moaned a lot, and then she did everything. And I think the real moral of the story is that if you're under the effects of a horrible curse that turns you into a mouse, your standards will plummet. That's it for the story. Really seems like people who came up with these wild curses that need people to fall in love with animals just never accounted for fucking furries. Yeah, that makes Bella furry. Peace.